Welcome back, everyone. And if it works to have your video on, uh, that's appreciated. It's nice to be able to see people as I'm uh, really sharing with you, and then later in our in our discussion, uh, talking together. So welcome back and. The theme I want to explore today is related to the guided practice. And it's also related to what I brought up uh, when I was last here. Uh, I spoke at the end of March and the beginning of April and talked some about um, some of the themes related to being on retreat for four weeks. I was able to be at Spirit Rock for four weeks, and I shared some of the insights and inspirations, and I think some of the challenges of that retreat, which I typically do um, every every March. And wonderful to have that opportunity to be away from the usual busyness uh, that's there for many of us in daily life. And one of the themes that I mentioned that interested me, and we just looked at it very, very briefly then, was the way that we can take daily life in a way as sacred. As even what we might call, to use language coming more from the Christian tradition, sacramental that we can have a sense of our moment-to-moment -moment daily lives as being part of a larger sacred process. And we may understand that very differently. We may understand it as a process of learning, of awakening, of coming to greater love. But what the perspective really helps in a way. It's something we looked at when I was last here. It can be helpful for connecting our everyday lives with our deeper aspirations. One of the challenges that I certainly experienced and that I think is a challenge in part due to the emphasis on retreats and even of uh, meditation practice, is that we don't always put so much emphasis on the rest of our lives. You know, it can be common for people to, in the insight meditation community, to have a discussion and one person says, how's your practice going? And the other person says, pretty good. I'm uh, practicing 20 or 30 minutes a day, meaning I'm doing formal meditation 20 or 30 minutes a day. And uh, what about the other 23 hours and 30 to 40 minutes, right? And so that can be a challenge. And I would say it's still something being looked at and developed in the insight meditation world where we still often have that emphasis uh, on what's very precious, the formal meditation 
and and on retreat time. But how can we have that strong sense of daily life as also a place of of practice? And in I think in the Buddhist tradition, as in many other traditions, there has been a strong emphasis on finding ways to have the daily life practice be really the center of things. And I know it's been, I've had that perspective, especially for about the last 10 years in a, in a, in a much stronger way. You know, at a certain point, because I, I typically have done... Uh, you know, I've typically had a Sabbath day once a week and probably averaged, uh, in addition to that, probably another four to eight weeks of retreat a year, which probably adds up to, you know, eight or ten years over the last 45 years on retreat. So clearly value that, but it became clear that at a certain point that Although I love retreats and I love formal meditation, uh, daily life practice is primarily where we live, right? And so if love and awakening and wisdom is going to mean something, it has to be increasingly there in daily life. Even as we can recognize retreats and formal meditation as a place where we go deeper in certain ways and, and Learn. I like to think of those as uh, opportunities for training, right? But the training is not the majority of our lives. The majority of our lives is outside of the training. The trainings are very precious. And so we looked at that theme, uh, I guess it would have been about uh, uh, probably three or four weeks ago when I last, last was here. And I want to expand that theme and give a number of different perspectives and ways that we might practice to have a more dedicated sense of all of our actions in daily life, increasingly as part of our paths of practice, as, in a sense, a part of the sacred path of awakening. Again, and I want to see if that resonates with you all in ways that you might yourself focus on that in the coming week. Interestingly, I'll, I'll use the word sacrament or sacramental, although again, and I'll, I'll refer to how that appears, particularly in Christian tradition, but also make references to uh, to several other traditions, and, you know, of course, including uh, Buddhist tradition. But the word, uh, the word sacrament, and even the word sacred, you know, which is part of that, comes from a translation from the Greek into Latin, meaning the word mystery. So another way of looking at this is that we're bringing more of a sense of touching the mystery moment by moment, touching the mystery of life. You know, in other words, not being on what sometimes can feel a little bit like the treadmill of daily life. 
or you know, being overly busy and just trying to complete your to-do list. Anyone feel that sometimes or some version of that? Right. I know I, I've often joked that many of us would rather complete our to-do list than be awakened. Does that resonate with anyone? <laughs> often the most important thing, just cross off all the to-do lists. And it's been interesting. I, I, I have a file almost of past to-do lists, none of which were completed. You know, so it's been very, it's very interesting just to, just to look into that. And so the, I think the word, uh, I think the word sacrament literally means the sacred, the sacred path or the sacred, uh, uh, yeah, uh, or the mysterious, the mysterious path. And again, that particular word comes from the Christian tradition where it's taken, they're, they're I think in the, uh, I think in the Catholic, Catholic Church, and I think it's also true of the Orthodox uh, Church, that there are various rituals such as uh, baptism and the Eucharist that are taken, that when one engages in them, one sort of enters in to the sacred or the divine. That's the meaning of the word uh, sacrament, that there, there is a, you know, in that, in the language of the church or of those churches, you know, there's a way that they open up to what they would call divine grace. But more generally, that perspective has been brought into particularly Christian contemplative and mystical tradition. I, lear I learned from uh, Victoria, who's often here on Wednesdays, of a wonderful uh, friar from the 17th century named Brother Lawrence, who had a, uh, um, a text that's, that you can, you can see called Practicing the Presence of God. And he said that he was, his entire life, was practicing the presence of God, he said, in one single act that does not end. You know, when he was uh, in the monastery, he was a cook, and he saw his cooking as part of that. Um, he said that, uh, he's, he said that, he was pleased that he could take up a straw from the ground and connect with the love of God. And so every action was, was uh, every action, every daily chore in that approach was, was sacred in a way. You know, and we find that also in other Christian contemplatives. I've been influenced a lot by Thomas Merton uh, the Christian contemplative of the 20th century who lived most of his life at the uh, Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, where I actually visit that monastery uh, typically every year and um, stay there for a while. And I have a, a friend there named uh, Brother Paul, who is uh, sort of the, the Thomas Merton of our time, who he's 81 now. And we, you know, I meet and we have conversations. And it's very much that sense. He's a, he's a poet. Um, and 
you could you could look him look him up. He's actually he published two books in the last uh, two years at the age of 79, 80, and 81. But there's very much that sense. You know, I, I looked up some of the material from Thomas Merton, and this is, uh, you know, um, Thomas Merton phrased it like, in everything that I do, whether it's painful or good or pleasant, I want it, you know, and he's using Christian language, I want to know that it is what God has willed for me. So there's a sense of taking everything as, as sacred. And, you know, I find this also when I look to some of the Jewish mystical and contemplative traditions. You know, I, I remember one story of, um, you know, one story of a teacher and one of his students said, I didn't come here so much to listen to him teach, but I wanted to see how he tied his shoelaces. <laughs> okay. You know, with that sense that everything was part of his attention to a contemplative, a contemplative life. But we find that also probably... Uh, you know, very much in the Zen tradition and other Buddhist traditions. Uh, uh, here's a story from the Zen tradition. A monk once asked Tozan when he was weighing some flax, What is Buddha? Tozan said, This flax weighs three pounds. So that that's Zen, not always being very direct, but giving giving stories. Another similar story, a student asked Joshu, a Zen teacher, why did Bodhidharma from India come to China? Joshu said, an oak tree in the garden. Presumably there was an oak tree right near him and he was saying, why did Buddha, why did something happen in the past? Uh, why did Bodhidharma come to China? My full present experience is no different from that. That'd be the way I would interpret that. This is from Achan Cha in the uh, Thai forest tradition. He said, everywhere you look is the Dharma. This is the training he gave to people practicing with him at the monastery where most of what they did was not formal meditation. You know, they built roads, they took, took on tasks, they cooked meals, they did all sorts of things. Everywhere you look, he said, is the Dharma. Constructing a building, walking down the road, sitting in the bathroom, or here in the meditation hall, all of this is Dharma. When you understand this correctly, there is nothing in the world that is not Dharma. Again, what I'm inviting is to see in our own language and in our own ways how we can bring that spirit more into our everyday lives. You know, some other stories I found. Uh, this is also from the Zen tradition. One student asked the master Nansen, what is the path? The answer Everyday life is the path. 
everyday life is the path. And it's also, there's something very similar. I think uh, I look back at my notes from um, in April from our last talk. I had a discussion with Victoria, and she mentioned the passage in the Bhagavad Gita from what we would call the Hindu tradition. And there was something very similar there. Uh, I looked it up, and there are passages where it's where the instruction is given, do whatever your work is as a sacrifice. And literally, sacrifice means a sacred doing. You know, that's what it means. And the word in the original language is yajna. Do your work as a sacrifice for the sake of the sacred, becoming free of all attachment. Do all your work, all your daily activities, for the sake of the sacred, becoming free of attachment. And lastly, I'll mention, you know, in terms of looking at different traditions, we find this also in the Taoist tradition, you know, from China, which I, which I mentioned from time to time, you know, in the teachings of Chuang Tzu, you know, which I, I think I, I taught about in the context of doing and not doing, there's this sense that all of our action, all of our doing should ultimately come from a deep place where we're closely in touch with the sacred. And, you know, Chuang Tzu talked about that as a different kind of doing, that it's actually more, you know, we might say, the sacred moving one, where there's some way that one is connected with the sacred and acting out of that connection. And it's a little bit different than having a sense of, now I'm doing it. That's where, that's in the Taoist tradition, that's where everything was pointing to, you know, which we probably experience at times. You know, again, we can find that, uh, something like that in different traditions. So how to practice, how to explore this oneself. Um, in the guided meditations, I mentioned two ways in terms of bringing that into our meditation. I think we could also bring that into our daily lives. One was having that sense of moment-to-moment -moment presence. You know, in our, with our focus on mindfulness, there's also that sense of being present moment-to-moment. -moment. And when we're fully present, we're not necessarily trying to make anything happen. How do we bring a sense of presence into cooking a meal, into washing the dishes, sweeping the floor, talking with a friend? How do we have a sense of presence being there? And the other, the other pointer that I gave in the guided meditation was to have a sense that we might call devotional. This is a little bit more working with intention. An intention to be more devotional. Can I devote this activity, have a sense of devoting this activity to, in some way, using one's own language, one's own understanding, to what I see as sacred. We could say something like, you know, um, eating 
and being nourished is part of being human and it's necessary for my learning and awakening. No learning and awakening without eating, <laughs> right? Uh, no, and you know, in cooking the meal, I'm making possible the conditions of being a human being in which I learn and develop and awaken. We could have that perspective for multiple activities. I'm taking a nap. I'm resting. I'm getting my evening rest. This is part of being human. This is part of the cycle that helps me uh, awaken, that helps give me energy. It could be a kind of appreciation for our daily activities and seeing those as connected. So we could both have that sense of presence and more coming out of mindfulness awareness. We could also work with intention, sense of de devotion or dedication or appreciation, taking care of one's body, going to the dentist, right? Going to the doctor. You know, we don't awaken and we don't support our awakening without having that, generally having a healthy body as much as possible. You know, so we can, we can have that sense. This is part of the sacred cycle, right? This isn't just, this isn't uh, something secondary or not meaningful. This is completely connected with my own process of awakening. You know, all these aspects of daily life, sweeping the floor, right? Cleaning up, you know, whatever. Uh, taking care of something. Can We can have that sense of, of dedication. Even where things are not going as we like, you know, where we get stuck, where we have something happen that we don't like. And we can say, oh, thank you. Something to learn from here, <laughs> right? You know, one friend of mine, uh, Britt, she, we were talking and she said, we can remember that the same mind which gets confused is capable of awakening. It's the same mind, the same mind. And we, so we can even appreciate the moments we get stuck. We can see it literally as a kind of a sacrifice. In the literal meaning of sacrifice, the making sacred of our lives. That's what sacrifice literally means, right? And we can take, you know, we can take these uh, difficult moments as potential learning moments. You know, I think, I think we had a discussion, I don't know whether it was here or in another group, but someone said, now in uh, people's training to be therapists, they're, they're told to take, in, take advantage of what are called moments of fog, F-O-G. Remember we talked about that? I think we did that here. You know, uh, an effing opportunity for growth. <laughs> Remember that? An effing opportunity for growth, a moment of fog, <laughs> which, which is now being taught in graduate schools. Interesting, right? And so, um, but more specifically, 
can we, in a way, almost bow to a difficult moment, you know, a difficult moment in a relationship and say, yes, this is part of my learning, this is part of my awakening. How many of us do that easily? <laughs> right? How many of us usually, you know, have a sense of, this is a problem, get rid of it, <laughs> right? Is that more, more common, right? Right? And so, you know, that's, that's a theme that uh, difficult moments, we can almost bow to them when we're in the right place, you know, when, we're in, when we have a perspective. This is not easy. In a way, this would be more intermediate or advanced practice to bow to a difficult moment and say, oh, how can I learn from this? Or how am I learning from this? Right? So what we see, what we're doing is we're connecting in various ways the different aspects of daily life to the larger process of awakening. If we use that language, again, people in other traditions, Christian or Jewish or Hindu or Taoist, they use different language and point out, point in different ways. So what helps you to see every moment as part of the journey of awakening, you know? And then we can ask, what gets in the way of that? What gets in the way of that understanding? You know, and we, I mentioned some things that do. We could talk about busyness, right? You know, busyness, where we're just trying to, it's understandable, just trying to get through the day, complete this or that, complete what's essential. And we can try to look at that and see, can I bring in a little bit of presence when I'm busy? What helps me to have more of that sense of presence and not just be totally locked into busyness and doing and not really being aware and not making connections with my deeper aspirations. You know, what helps me to, you know, one major simple tool might be just to pause for a moment. Have a one-minute pause, right? That, that's a powerful tool for daily life, right? How do we, how do we have that uh, way of getting out of being stuck in busyness or, or just doing all the time? Another, you know, we, and we can think, what gets in the way for you of that sense of daily life as sacred, as well as thinking what helps? We can think of, you know, obviously difficult emotions can get in the way. You know, anger or anxiety or fear can make it very, very hard to say, you know, oh, fear, I welcome you, <laughs> you know. Or, oh, anger, oh, I think I'm going to learn something important here, right? right? Um, and it, again, pauses are helpful, meditation's helpful, reflection, you know, can we have uh, a few times, you know, just to take as a practice, okay, this next week, I will have three three-minute pauses every day. That shouldn't impact your day too much <laughs> negatively in terms of taking up too much time, right? How do we, okay, I, I guarantee that will have a big impact, right? 
three three-minute pauses during the day, right? Can we do that? You know, what else gets in the way? I think anything that closes our heart. You know, some of us will find that this kind of approach, which I'm suggesting of finding a way to have the aspects of daily life be known as sacred, for some of us, that will come through a sense of awareness and presence. For some of us, it will especially come through the kind heart, right? Because it's like almost like it's a moment of kindness or a moment of love, we could say, if we see it in a certain way, that connects us with the sacred. You know, a moment, to, you know, and it can be helpful to reflect on that, a moment of being kind with a child, with a relative, with a co-worker, you know, that that, that is, can be a doorway for many of us, right? A major doorway. But it's helpful to reflect on that. I'm, when I bring forth the kind heart, I'm entering the sacred in a way, right? And we can, we can see that more. And then on the other side, to see how closing the heart makes that sense very, very hard, right? And we can try, you know, we can set an intention. Let me notice when I close the, my heart. Set that intention twice a day. It doesn't stop us from closing the heart, but we might come back a little more quickly if we make that intention. Right? So, see, this is a, you know, you've known people who've been here a number of times on Wednesdays know that I have a very strong interest in different aspects of daily life practice. But this is an interesting lens. It's, you know, it's one way to look at it, to, you know, have that kind of sacred uh, action in daily life. You know, another, you know, connected sometimes with the busyness that makes this hard also is kind of getting very caught in doing. I have to do this, complete the to-do list, do this, do that, and be very identified with the doer. I'm the doer, I do this, I do that, and so forth. You know, and this, this is also related partly to just being caught in habits and routines, right? You know, routines are beautiful, but sometimes they shut down consciousness or mindfulness or presence, right? You know, and think of the different routines you have. You know, that's why sometimes in, in some traditions, it's interesting, where they've also been an emphasis on daily life. Some traditions have said, be with your routines in a little bit different way. You know, for example, one routine I noticed, I was thinking about it today, is, you know, when I shave, I start with my left side. And it's a little bit of a routine. What would it be like to start with my right side? I bet you I'd be more aware, right? When you put shoes on, which shoe left to right do you start with? We probably have routines there, right? If you have shoelaces and you tie them, try tying the opposite shoe than you usually do. You know, that's actually... Something like that has been, I've heard that recommended by teachers in contemplative communities. You know, be with your shoes in a different way. Have a little bit different routine. That's interesting, isn't it, right? To bring about more awareness. What would that be like? 
you know, even reflect now. What are one or two routines? Just ordinary things that are part of the everyday could be even related to, you know, how you clean up or wash the dishes or put on your clothes or go to sleep. What would be one, one or two ways to do it a little bit differently that might increase awareness? Just reflect for a moment. Some people even uh, change their names. <laughs> That's an interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting twist. You know, I know when I was in my early twenties, my brother and I we changed our our name for a little while. We uh, I think we were a little bit inspired by Native American, and we 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 said that our last name was Crow. <laughs> we also were really connected with crows. I don't know. It was a little bit. I don't know. I had some. I think there could be some issues with that, but anyway, uh, that's what we did. Um, and so, just uh, I'll just name a few things that help uh, as well. You know, in term, in addition to what I've mentioned, a few further things that help, and then we'll open things up for some discussion. Uh, I think qualities like appreciation and gratitude can be very helpful. They can slow us down. We can be appreciative of how this is connected with my, my aspiration, however we say it, to manifest love and wisdom, to awaken, right? Appreciation, gratitude for different parts of our lives. That can be very, very helpful. Also, having a sense of mystery that we touch into from time to time. I know that it's been a, sometimes a practice of mine in starting formal meditation. I didn't do it today with us, with, with, our, with our group, but sometimes it's been a way of practicing where right at the beginning of the meditation, I say, let me be with the mystery moment by moment. And especially if I have a tendency to try to, okay, I want to make this happen in meditation, right? I want to get concentrated or I want to make this occur. Uh, we can still do that, which helps us to have more concentration. But if we start out by saying, I don't know what's going to happen. Let me be with every moment as a mystery. You know, happening for the first time ever in the universe, this moment of my life, right? How can we, can we bring that perspective in? I think that can be helpful for what we're talking about. Finding ways to have a sense of freshness and presence moment by moment. Again, pausing can be very helpful. Just stopping, you know, just stopping for a moment. Inviting mindfulness, inviting presence in the middle of the day. Finding... Um, 
you know, maybe to start one or two activities that we bring more awareness to. We could say, this week, this next week, I'm going to wash the dishes if you wash. I don't I mean, you might have wash, you know, dishwasher machines. I, I wash dishes by hand. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some version of that, you might say, let me wash the dishes and have it be uh, a mindfulness practice or whatever language you use. Or let me take a walk every day for 10 or 15 minutes and do so with presence and awareness. Taking one or two activities a day is a major way to also to support what we're, what we're getting at. I think qualities of, really related to mystery, qualities of awe or wonder can be beautiful to take us into this place, right? And so you can, you know, be with what uh, tends to bring about wonder or awe. Maybe it's looking at a, a very young child or at blossoms occurring on a tree. I went outside yesterday. I have a a plum tree in my front yard. And I noticed for the first time a little plum developing. I said, whoa, it's happening. <laughs> you know, this mysterious cycle where the plums keep coming back. <laughs> you know? And so something like that, what brings about awe or wonder? See what, see, you know, see what calls you. I'm naming a lot of things. See, you know, maybe two or three of these are what you want to work with in the next week if you, if you feel called in this way. Other heart practices can be helpful. Loving kindness. Maybe if we get stuck, uh, forgiveness practice. Maybe that can, again, we want ways of getting unstuck if I'm really irritated with someone. You know, there are different ways I can get a little bit unstuck. Forgiveness practice can be really, really helpful. Um, you know, for some of us, maybe being with art can really awaken us to the mysterious. If we really stay with, uh, with art or engage in art, you know, I talk with people who are artists and they speak about how in the act of artistic creation, they have a sense of something bigger coming through them. You know, can be very, so art or music can also be, uh, be that process. You know, maybe, maybe I'll bring in, I, I remember gathering some beautiful quotations from artists and musicians about almost like the sacred nature of their, of their process. You know, another thing that could be helpful is putting little post-its around your place where you live. Just reminders, right? Reminders saying, you know, maybe based on some of what we've explored. Uh, you know, simplicity can be another tool. Just not having things be so complicated, which is more maybe more of a long-term um, shift, being, being uh, in, a, in a simpler life. So those are some suggestions. And I hope how many of you 
resonate some with this theme in a way that you might like to look at it in the next week. And we come back and share. Right, that's great. And we'll have, I'll put the recording up and the guided meditation up later today. So those will be available on Dharma Seed. Everyone know how to get to Dharma Seed? Right, just uh, dharmaseed.org. It's freely available. Uh, and I'll put the, the talk, which, you know, I probably had, you know, 20 or 30 suggestions, right? And you just need two or three. <laughs> Not to do too much, because that would be part of the problem, right? Right. Not to, no, don't do all of my suggestions. That's, <laughs> right, that's, that's, that won't work so well. So I'll go back to uh, Achan Cha and that guidance that he gave. And I'll end with this. Everywhere you look is the Dharma. Constructing a building, walking down the road, sitting in the bathroom. We're here in the meditation hall. All of this is Dharma. When you understand correctly, there is nothing in the world that is not Dharma. So let's sit quietly now, just for a moment. See what resonates for you and see how you might like to, which of the suggestions particularly resonate that you might like to follow or maybe some, some way of practicing daily life as sacred that you have yourself or that you've already been doing comes up. What are some ways you'd like to proceed in the next week and more broadly what was helpful from our time today? And then see if you'd like to share something, maybe one of your own ways of deepening a sense of daily life as sacred, or a question that you have, or a request for clarification. Just reflect for a little while right now. And again, if it works to have your, your video on, that'd be great. Uh, we have Carolyn and then uh, Seema. Okay, hi. Thank you, Donald. Um, Monday, my psychiatrist phoned, as he has been every two weeks for the last six years. And I was very sober. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Enough. Um, I may be losing access to him who has been a source of support. And I just said, it's just too much. 
And we talked, and at the end, he said, go to your workshops. So 10.30 at night on the Eastern Coast, you were speaking at Marin County. So falling asleep, I joined. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. The things you've told us many times before resonated. Um, it's hard. Go back to it. It's not a walk in the park. And the next, the things really resonated. And I could go on for a long time, but I won't. So Tuesday, I was sitting on my flowered couch for a change. And I started to get the panic. I started to go into the, the bad trauma memories. The, and I just sat there and I thought, I can stay with this for a few seconds. So I did. And then longer and longer. And it wasn't, it was somber, it was sober, but it wasn't dramatic. And a few times during the day, I was able to go, oh, I was lifting off and I would find, I would find the place in my body. I'd, you know, and that, that is what I want to share that I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Carolyn. I think, uh, you know, it's wonderful to just to hear how you're using some of the understandings and practices and, you know, really to, uh, particularly to, uh, use the resources in ways that bring you back. Maybe we might use the language of being a little bit stuck. Just bring you back quickly, right? Or quicker than previously. And that's such a huge part of what we're talking about today, is having ways of coming back when we get a little bit lost and lose all sight of the idea of learning or awakening. You know, you know again, not easy with, you know, with... Uh, certain kinds of pain or, or, of course, trauma. Anything trauma-related is almost like, uh, you know, our survival's at stake. So it's, it's a lot. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, Seema and then uh, Nancy. Still muted, uh, Seema. Okay. Thanks for the talk, Donald. I related to it intensely. Um, I think I've been picking up this practice informally on my own, but I was started to list a few ways in which it's been part of my life. And one of them in particular is um, the la this last year I've been going through a tremendously a difficult time with judgment, inner judgment. Mm. Not that I didn't have trouble with it before, but it was particularly intense and it was all the time and I would hate it and I would cry and all these things. And then one, and then my friends would say gratitude, write a gratitude list and gratitude lists. I have a mixed history with them, but one day I thought, what about, what if I try being generous when I'm feeling grateful, mm. when I'm feeling judgmental, 
what would that do? And so I started doing generosity as an antidote practice to judgment. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed at the change internally in me that Mm -hmm. happened. Um, I mean, I was doing it for the other person, but it was doing so much for me that I just do it. I just adopted it. It didn't have to be much. It would be giving $2 to the guy down the street or helping somebody with something. But it really just totally opened my heart. It's not an easy thing to do (laughs) for any of us, but, you know, mine's really hard. So that, um, yeah, I don't even know if that has pertains to what you're saying, but that's a small detail shifting from one thing, gratitude, which has always been a difficult thing in my life. Yeah. To generosity, which for some reason wasn't difficult at all. Yes, beautiful. I think there are a lot of things um, relate, I think, to what we've been exploring today, of course, in past weeks. But um, one is that we, you know, it's like we each find the doorways or the practices that work for ourselves, right? One person generosity won't be that doorway for you it is right and so that's that's really good to know this is very personal you know what's going to help and another piece is that generosity i i would think of it as a heart practice that it it really is a quality of you know as you mentioned of opening the heart and having like a practice where i will manifest generosity um you know three times every day in large or small ways, in mostly small ways, right? Like just offering something uh, or generosity to yourself. Uh, yeah. Really, really key. And um, interestingly, the Buddha said that the whole spiritual path actually begins with generosity. It's interesting, like he said, you know, when he would teach his entire system, the entire approach, he generally started with the teaching of generosity. I think partly because it's it's a more kind of almost like communal quality or virtue. And it's something, but it's that quality, it has a quality of opening the heart, feeling connection, not being bound up in ourselves as we might be with the judgmental mind, right? And it connects us and takes it out and lets us see ourselves as uh, beautiful also, right? In that moment, no matter what else has happened that's maybe triggering the judgmental mind, you know, here is this moment in which I'm actually quite beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Seema. Nancy and then Victoria. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thank you for this talk, Donald. It always tickles me when different parts of my Dharma study happen to coincide. Um, and so in, uh, in the Dedicated Practitioners Program, we're doing a deep dive into the four foundations of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. In this month, the focus is on mindfulness of the body. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't necessarily relate to the sacred, but it definitely relates to bringing the practice into your everyday life. Um, one of the practices in mindfulness of the body is mindfulness of body postures, yeah. sitting, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. 
And the suggestion um, I was reading, um, Biko Analio's book, um, Satipatthana, the practical guide for meditators. And one of the things he suggested was to, well, mindfulness of the body is good. Mindfulness of the body is an objective. It brings us into the present moment. And and so I decided this morning that I was, before I listened to you talk, that my practice was going to be to try to be aware of bodily postures whenever I can, whenever they change. And it's challenging because your body is always in some posture, but it's helpful because there is always something there to be aware of. And rather than just being, oh, here's the body, there is a body, it gives me something specific to focus on. Am I sitting? Am I standing? Am I walking? Am I lying down? So that is that is my intention for the week to come, to see if I can more often be aware of um, bodily postures. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Nancy. It's really, uh, it's a fundamental doorway into presence in daily life as well as accessing a sense of daily life is sacred, right? Um, but, you know, I, you know I, I've thought for quite a number of years that the key in cultures which are sort of dominated by more mental approaches, I think as mainstream Western culture is, you know, more cognitive, on, online a lot, and so forth, uh, in one's mind a lot, a really central practice is mindfulness of the body. Because how many of us are, you know, mostly in a more uh, cognitive dimension most of the day? You know, many of us, it depends on the job, you know, and, uh, and the work that one does. But that's very, very common. And so actually that emphasis on mindfulness of the body, including mindfulness of postures, I think is just a total foundational practice for what we're talking about. You know, and it can be a beautiful one. And, you know, I know, I know it's been very central for me. I particularly had a practice which I learned from uh, John Travis, who was a mentor, to be aware of the whole body. And I did this on retreats for a long time and then brought it into daily life. And he said, okay, when you teach, be aware of the body. Bring it into when you speak, when you interact, when you do anything. And when one focuses on mindfulness of postures enough, it gets almost like, uh, mm, gets strong enough so it can be there even when you're doing different activities, cooking, even talking with someone that one can have mindfulness of the body at the same time that there is something more cognitive going on, right? And that's, uh, again, that's not a beginning practice, but I think what you're doing is taking you very strongly in that direction. So, yeah, thank you, Nancy. <laughs> uh, Victoria, this may be our, our last one. We'll have to see in terms of time. Yeah, thank you, Donald. Unfortunately, I had to come in late because I had a schedule conflict, but um, I'll listen to the recording for sure. Um, I love this topic, and um, I your little plum epiphany <laughs> I, has inspired me to share my little epiphany, which was that um, I have this big 
tub of, of old dirt. And I was, I thought, why am I, why do I have this in my garden? Like it's really unsightly and ugly. And I was about to figure out, you know, how to sort of dump it out. And, um, and then lo and behold, with all this rain in California, the, um, some, some California poppies sprang out. It was one at first. I almost thought it was a weed and then more and more and more and more. And every day now I have a new poppy that's added to the ones that are already there. And it's just so miraculous. It's like your, your plum experience. I thought, how incredible. Like I, I don't remember planting any seeds. I don't remember anything. And, and here was the dirt I was going to cast away. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, it's really it's like an intimate moment of the sacred. That's just so, so beautiful. It just, it just, um, gives me so much joy and I didn't even do anything to deserve it. So, um, I just wanted to share that. Oh, Thank beautiful. You. Thank you, Victoria. And again, it's kind of touched. One of the themes I mentioned was just a sense of mystery, right? How does this happen? Where does this come from? And I actually, uh, mentioned you earlier cause I, I, uh, I, uh, found a, uh, a quote from the Bhagavad Gita that you had mentioned. Uh, oh, good. Oh, you found the spot? Because, yeah. um, or at least at least one passage which seemed to correspond. And I also brought up uh, Brother Lawrence. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that you that I learned about from you. So, so I was here in spirit. Great. Yeah, well, I love were... this topic. It's just such a beautiful topic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you for that story. And I, I imagine if we had another hour... Almost everyone would have some version of that. How many people does that sort of spark something of your own version of something mysterious and simple that maybe has occurred? Yeah, it's really, this is what we want to, yeah, we, again, we want to somehow, what, uh, slow down and be able to, to see in this way. And um, so my, my suggestion is that we kind of work with this theme if we wish, in the next week, in your own ways. Again, I'll post the recording very soon, probably within the next few hours, so you can listen to the talk where I had, you know, like I said, probably 20 or 30 suggestions for seeing daily life as sacred. And you can, you know, you can do this in your own, own way. Um, let's just take a moment now, again, to reflect on how to... Maybe to come back, reflect, how to keep this theme going, if that calls you, in the next week. And then we'll close with the dedication of merit. May what has been helpful and beneficial from our time together. May it be of benefit to us. May it be a benefit to those in our own circles in clear and mysterious ways as well. And then ultimately, may our time together and our practice be of benefit to all beings, knowing that we are part of all beings. Thank you kindly for your stories and your attention and your, and thank you for being interested in this. <laughs>
That's a good one. Uh, everyday life as, as sacred. So, uh, and thank you, Monique. Yay, Monique. Yay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. feel free to unmute and say goodbye. Thank you for being, thank you, Donald. Yeah, thanks, Monique. Thank you, Donald. Thank, thank you, Donald. Thank you, Donald. And everyone. Uh, thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wow. Get a little bit of. <laughs> I'm trying to leave. A little I'm bit leaving. of shimmying. <laughs> Not grasping. A la prochaine. Okay. A la prochaine. Yeah. A la prochaine. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.